author of Prince and the Purple Rain Era Studio Sessions, 1983 and 1984, due out November 15th in the U.S. from Roman and Littlefield Publications. I've heard that it comes out internationally in, in January. Do you know anything about that? Uh, yes, and it should come out soon after uh, uh, this. It may come out in December. I don't have the exact dates, but it's supposed to come out just just slightly after the American release. The, they're doing it. Um, I know it's being published through uh, Amazon is, is uh, going to be distributing it through most of Europe, but it's, uh, there's other small companies that are doing it as well. But uh, it's also being. Uh, I think in America we cover Japan and a few other places, and I think possibly in Canada and in Europe. Uh, it's all through London, so everything kind of spirals out from there. So, But they're all planning on all this stuff, and everything's uh, in line to have it coming out as soon as possible. Yeah, very excited. Yeah, that's very exciting. And I was I was able to register on netgalley.com and read an advanced copy, a preview copy. Uh, I guess they call it a galley copy. And uh, I was very, very excited to get the privilege to read it. Uh, I'm, I'm lucky I still have my blog. I haven't blogged in over three years, but uh, this was enough to get me off my butt and, and do it. And I uh, I read the book and wrote a review on my blog, and it was tremendous. So we're going to talk about the book a little today and the history behind it. So do you want to just start with that? I mean, how did this project occur to you to start? I mean... What was the genesis of it in your mind? Uh, well, uh, I used to work for a magazine called Uptown Magazine, Prince Magazine. Do you remember Uptown? Oh. Okay, yeah, the famous, was it Dutch? Uh, it was, well, Swedish. It was from a Swedish. Swedish, Swedish. Uh, although we had some people from the Netherlands, we had some people uh Holland, and we had people from all over really working on it. But it was based in Sweden through pure Nils. Okay, yeah, 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 I remember that. They came out with... The Vault book. Yes. That's right. We we created the we uh, wrote the Vault. I've actually got a copy of the Vault right here. I'm looking at it. Um, and uh, we um, when we were doing that, Peer and I started talking about or Per. I always forget how to pronounce it. Um, we were talking about a book about his studio, Prince's studio sessions, and we both laughed and thought, "There's no way you could do that because it's you know he recorded all the time." Um, and we thought about this, and I started nibbling at it and, and going through this. So I've been working on something like this for about a little over 20 years, on and off. Um, wow. I know, and, and uh, gathering information, interviewing. I started interviewing people for this book back in 1994. That's how long ago I started interviewing people. Wow. Um, and I didn't know it was just going to be 83, 84. I wanted to do his entire career, and then when I started realizing how much there was – uh, and this book is about 500 pages. Looking at the thing right now, it's 500 and 512, I think 512. But that's without the index. So it's yeah, somewhere somewhere in there. I think my preview copy said 514. That makes uh, sense. yeah, it, that would be that would make sense. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a lot of yeah. You saw it's a lot of content. It's a lot to. Uh, it is. It is. And and what do you think of the book? What do you think of it? I thought it was. Great, uh, mind blowing in, pl- in a lot of places. Uh, the the fact that you weren't able to interview Prince, but yet you were able to pull in so many wonderful quotes of his from various sources, 
I thought that was just absolutely, absolutely amazing. And it was, it was probably my, my favorite part of the book to see Prince's quotes highlighted in the way you highlighted them. And it was, it was so well done. And then of course the quotes from people you actually had the opportunity to interview and, uh, you know, all setting up this narrative around the studio work orders, which, you know, came officially from Sunset Sound and, and right. a, a couple other studios, I think. Sunset Sound, we got, uh, I was able to get to talk to the owners and the managers of Sunset Sound, and they gave me permission to see all the work orders, uh, not just from 83, 84, but basically from 81 all the way to 89, which is when he was doing stuff. He's done some stuff, I think, in the 90s also, but um, they were really good about opening the doors for me, and, and uh, they're very sweet and very, very accommodating because I've been talking to them about this for years. And um, the, once I had the work orders, I could find out what days Prince did stuff, what hours he did stuff. So you can even look at it and say, oh, he was working on that from 4 in the afternoon until 2 in the morning. And that's, there's something fun about knowing exactly the times that he was working on songs as well as the dates. And then There, there, there is something really fun. I, I, I would read those, you know, the work order information and just shake my head because it's like, oh, man. You know, to know exactly when he's in the studio and for how long. And uh, some of these sessions lasted hours upon hours, you know. So it's just, it's it's fascinating to be able to see that in print. Did you? There's a book called The Beatles Recording Sessions, uh, Studio Sessions or something like that. And it talks about the Beatles. And that was one of the things that I, when I read that, I thought that would be a great book for Prince, you know, when I was looking into this. Right, and, right. Because I wanted to do a book that's different. Because a lot of people, there's some great books out there, but a lot of them basically are telling the same stories, slightly from different points of view, um, but they don't really have, um, I don't know, I just want to do something different. I, 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 there's certain people that are right. able to have photographs, and that's a different kind of book. And then some of these people are able to do a book that is just about his last six months or whatever, and, and that's really great. But I wanted to be able to tell a story in a way that hadn't been tried by anybody. Uh, and I think that that's hopefully going to be uh, something that's noticed is, is how much detail. And then looking into his life and what he did in his life that influenced his music because he the, – uh, the book starts with a, a quote that says something like, uh, all my life is in my music. Right. Important to understand that everything the guy was doing influenced his music, and all the people around him influenced his music. And I don't think people understand how much you know, people influenced him because you know Prince. Not to take anything away from him, in fact, it, to me, uh, extends his legacy. Is he was wise enough to have people around him that he could help feed this machine, and it's the Revolution or Susanna or Jill Jones or. Uh, the engineers, they all contributed to making him be able to be Prince, be, you know, right. by, you know, by supplying music or supplying things. He was the kind of guy that was always finding new innovations and new uh, ways to be a song, you know, turning a song right. right out, you know. And I think that's part of the fun of this. And one of the like I talk in the book about a couple times where he'll take a song of his and tweak it a little bit. And all of a sudden, it will be a new song. Like, he took parts of um, Sex Shooter and turned that into She's Always in My Hair. Uh, right. Like that, that you go, oh, okay, that makes sense. And, and there's something, I, I don't, 
Uh, to me, part of the joy of doing this is then going back and listening to the music again because it does give you a new way of looking at it once you know, oh, he was doing this, or oh, he was in a bad mood, or oh, he that was inspired by a girlfriend, or whatever it is. And there's going to be conflicting stories. There's you know always going to be people that say, oh, he he was influenced by this person. No, he's influenced. Well, odds are we'll never know exactly what it was because every artist is different, but you can be influenced by several different people at the same time, things like that. It's I'm really excited about the fact that it's getting out there. It's only six weeks until it's released, and I just I can't wait. I'm I'm, I'm giddy about this. Very very cool. And yeah, it's and what I said in my review too is it's even exciting if you if you are one of the hardcore fans that have access to the unreleased tracks going through the book and actually pulling up the music and hearing the music as you're reading, it even makes for an even more immersive experience. And so I was able to do that. I'm, I'm a hardcore fan. I've been a fan since I was three years old, uh, arguably. <laughs> and I'm, 30, I'm 37 today, so that's, that's a 34-year journey uh, with Prince. And, and books like these are... I think really important and really vital to keeping the legacy alive, especially in these times when, you know, it's, it's only just a little over a year since Prince passed yeah. and the estate is still in flux and, you know, not a lot is going on and not a lot will probably go on for a considerable amount of time. So, I had that in my mind as I was reading this book too, is that books like this and, and Steve Park's book and the other photography book, I can't remember the, uh, the, the photographer offhand, um, but books like these are very important, uh, and they give us something to keep Prince alive in our minds and hearts. Uh, while the estate is being sorted out. So I'm very appreciative for efforts like yours and Steve's. And Afshin um, is, is the other photographer that you're thinking of. Yeah. Yes, Afshin has a book coming out as well. Yes. Afshin, yes. there you go. Yeah. Yes, yeah, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, and these, I, these books are vital, like I say. Well, thank you. One of the one of the things I really wanted to do, and I'd never worked with Prince, so I, I make that very clear in the book that I did not. So what I ended up doing was going back to the people that did and all the people that were around him. And I interviewed about between 40 and 50 people um, for this book specifically. I interviewed several more for other books coming up down the road. But for this book, 40 to 50 people, some wanted to be on the record, some did not, um, and that's fine. And they all right. – told me their stories, and I was able to find a way to put their stories into context, you know, when they talk about recording these songs. And and part of the fun is, is engineers and people like that have not always gotten noticed as much as I think they do because they do a lot of work. And I try to make sure that people understand this is the hard work an engineer does. And an engineer is in the room with Prince more than anybody, more than band members, more than girlfriends. They're there setting up in the beginning – waiting for Prince, Prince shows up, they're there with a session almost entirely, and then they leave after Prince leaves. So nobody else has that kind of overview when it comes to... Right, you know, right. And I would say for me, 
for me personally, the most fascinating parts of the book uh, come from Susan Rogers. And, you know, we've, we've all heard the stories before, but I don't think we've quite heard them firsthand in this way, Dwayne, like you said, with that type of overview behind it. Uh, it's just fascinating, fascinating to read and, and fascinating to think about. And Susan's great. Susan has been – she's been such a dream to interview, and I've, I've flown to Boston, met with her, and I've known Susan for years. I just saw her a few weeks ago in Minneapolis, and I, I can't say enough good things about her. She's one of these people – actually, pretty much across the board, so many good people that not only wanted to make sure the book was accurate, but make sure the book was telling the truth. And that's the, that's the big vital thing is I don't think that people have a problem with people writing books – as long as you're telling the truth. And what I did was I made sure I got the truth from the source. I wanted to get as many first-generation uh, stories, first-person you know, first person stories as possible. Sometimes they right. contradict it. I mean, two people may have different memories of the same event, but I wanted to make sure that I, I went back. And I went back to several of these people repeatedly. Uh, Peggy McCreary, Peggy Mack, you see her in credits. I would go back to for years talking to her and asking her things. Uh, Jill Jones I would go back to even just recently. Susan Rogers and I, I she knew that I would be coming back to her. Um, band members, the Revolution. I interviewed most of the Revolution. I interviewed members of the time, uh, members of the family, um, like I said, other singers. Uh, Brenda Bennett uh, from Apollonia 6, I interviewed her many times. She came to the house one time and just trying to get – them telling the story in the way that's personal and how they related to what went went on. And and it's it, to me, part of the joy is hearing them talk about each other too. You hear right. um, Susanna Susanna saying wonderful things about Brenda and working with her and, and the different people talking about yes, you know, Jill Jones talking about singing with Lisa Coleman and how they couldn't stop laughing. And things like that and you're going that to me brings that music alive. And and we all miss Prince, and I think something like this is one of these things that kind of breathes a little life back into what he created, because his art is what we all um, – we miss him, but this is what we've got, and this helps us understand his art and what he was thinking and what he was feeling uh, better, I hope. Right, exactly. And one of the, one of the things I find most fascinating and endearing about Prince is – he was a very individual person, you know, very, very individual and independent. But yet, all the people around him that worked with him, he created such a family uh, environment around, you know, with them. And it's the same, I think, with the fans. You know, we're all we're all a big a big purple community, and it's 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 interesting to me how how. A, how an artist, how a human being who is so uh, so steeped in individuality can bring so many people together, and it's just it's it's a beautiful thing. I think you know? because when I meet Prince fans, and I've been a, I've been a fan since probably Controversy. I think I remember okay Controversy. I'm I'm a little older than you. Um, yeah, I, I remember when Controversy came out. I remember hearing it. Uh, we had a radio station in Baltimore, uh, which is where I'm from, called V103. And the V used to play a bit more Prince than you'd hear otherwise before 1999 stuff. And so you'd hear an occasional song by him. And so I knew some of the controversy stuff. Um, and I'm a fan of the funk. I, I love funk music. So 
kind of knew oh, yeah. about early on. Yep, um, yep. And then when 1999 hit, we were listening to that in college, and then Purple Rain, and, and it was – you were a little young to be understanding how big Purple Rain was, but Purple Rain right. was – literally, it was – Game changing. It was it was the date movie that summer. It was the it just there was something about it. Now I unfortunately wasn't able to afford to go to see him in concert during the Purple Rain tour, and I was you know, very sad. I was either out of town at the time, or I just didn't have money because I was in college. I was broke, um, and I didn't get to see him live until Love Sexy. Um, and then when I saw him in Love Sexy, I've seen him probably about twenty times since then. And I went saw him in Ireland. And I've seen them all over the country here, uh, different places. Oh wow, wow, yeah, yeah. But I did. I just I could not afford to go to the early shows, and it was always something that made me sad. I've seen you know dozens of tapes and heard even more. Um, but uh, and I've been a fan, like I said, like you, a collector. Just the cool thing about Prince, two things, is first off, he supplied so much for our community when it came to music. There was always something new to find, new to hear, new to collect, that, you know, and, and, and we're all excited, and we all hear stories about songs, and then finally they trickle out or something like that. And, uh, right, right. I, I like that. And, then, and the second thing I like about Prince is the community, and the, you were saying this a big purple community of people that if you and I meet at a party and you like Prince, we have an immediate connection and shorthand that people outside of Prince fans don't get. They don't understand that. Right, right. You and I can all of a sudden start talking about, well, you know, what's your favorite time period? What's your favorite album? What's your favorite, you know? And we'd we'd be able to compare notes. And Prince fans like details. They like knowing, oh, that's where this comes from. Oh, and they know who these people are. They know who Susan Rogers is. They know, um, you you can name a band member. and Or, you know, here's the thing about Prince fans that I love is the ones that really pay attention can look at a photo – and say that's the sign of the Times haircut. Oh, that's the. Yep. When I see, and I'm, I don't know if you're like this with, with these things. When I see TV shows and documentaries about him, and they're talking about Purple Rain, and they're showing a picture of him from the nude tour, I get frustrated. <laughs> right, know? right, like, right, exactly. That's years later, and I, and it, it, it irks me something. And no, there's there's pictures of him with Purple Rain. That's what he wore then. This is the hair he had, and and it, it's. So we have a, a feeling of ownership about about Prince in a way that I don't think a lot of other people understand. And when he passed, I think it made me realize how loved he was because I always thought of myself as in a little in a little cult, you know, to a certain right. Cult. You know, it's all of us friends and we all love it. But then when he passed, which is still hard to say, to see the Niagara Falls lit up purple, to see Eiffel Tower. It made me feel part of a bigger thing that I did not know that there were – it was kind of cathartic seeing that the world was sad. Like, yeah. You know? And I think that yeah. – the other thing for me is I finished my book a month before he died. Um, wow. On last March uh, – it's now 2017 in case somebody's listening to this sometime in the future. Um, but in uh, March of 2016 – Middle March, I'd finished, and I, I, my wife had, had convinced me to sit down for a few weeks and just wrap it up, and I got it done in the middle of March, and I was all excited, and I started looking around for a publisher, and then he passed away, and I thought to myself for a bit, I don't know if I'm going to do this because I don't want it to see right. 
opportunist thing because, of course, there's going to be people writing immediately. And people I asked, I've been on the org since Prince.org for years, and I asked some friends, and, I asked, and they said, no, we've been waiting for your book, so you need to finish it. And I thought, okay. But I went and re-interviewed some people and talked to people and said, do you mind? And most of them said, please, please do this because you've been talking to me. We know you. And that was helpful because you don't want to right. make people angry because, you know, people can get very upset with this stuff, and, and, and I, understandable. Um, none of us want to be ripped off, and none of us want to read a book that we go, this is just rehash of, of everything that is already out there. And so, right, right. Um, yeah, and I, I really, really toyed with the idea of what to do, and I was convinced by friends and some fans that said, finish the book, and, and, and the people that I interviewed, finish the book. The toughest thing for me was going through the book after he passed and changing all the tense from he, Prince, is, blah, 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 to Prince was. Right, yeah. It was hard because it was it was admitting that he's gone, and that... Right, right. Well, with books like yours and Steve's and Upsheed, he he really isn't gone because, True. like I say, it, it brings it brings his spirit and his essence alive to read about you know his creative force and his creative process. So to have to have books like these is is uh, and of course we we'd all prefer that Prince were here still you know making music, but. To have books like these, I would say, is the the next best thing because it really does keep Prince alive in our hearts and minds. So I can never say how grateful I am to people like like you and Steve uh, for creating these books and and putting them out there and and helping us through the grief and through the uh, through the sense of loss. Uh, because when you read this book, and I'm talking about Prince and the Purple Rain Studio Sessions, uh, it really does feel as if you're with Prince in the studio, watching him, you know, in this tremendous process of creation and creativity and just, you know, uh, energy and light. You know, it really comes through. So I'm really grateful for for these books, and I'm grateful that that well, we we hope it's going to be the first in a series, um, depending on how well this first book does. But reading the 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 link on Amazon and how it's how it's already selling really well. Uh, I would I would venture to guess that uh, a second book uh, is is going to be forthcoming and hopefully a third. <laughs> but uh, I'm getting I'm getting ahead of myself. But I'm, no, no, no. I'll, I'll I'll tell you what what's going on. Um, this obviously this book is finished and it comes out in on November fifteenth. Uh, and it is right. uh, Prince in the Purple Rain Era Studio Sessions, nineteen eighty three, nineteen eighty four. And it is specifically, literally, as you know, um, and I'm not saying this to you because you've already read it, but to other people that may be listening, 
It is literally January 1st, 1983 to December 31st, 1984, and everything. That right. 200 right. sessions, 100 times on stage, rehearsals, sound checks. And I try to put as much of this in there as possible um, and uh, and the dates of all these things. Um, and some stuff about songs you may never even heard before. Even the hardcore collectors, there's going to be things in there that they've never even – songs that they've maybe heard about but don't know details about. Um, right. I wrote this before the Purple Rain Deluxe obviously came out, and almost all the things on there are covered in the book. And that was kind of fun that all the things were kind of – Right, right. Yeah, so the um, the second book, if this book does well, which I'm hoping it does, um, would be 85, 86, which – is a mountain of stuff. It involves um, – well, the first book covers – I'll tell you exactly so people understand what's in the first book. All of Purple Rain, um, all of Around the World in a Day, uh, um, Sheila's album, the Times album, the Times Ice Cream Castle album, the Sheila's first album, Times Ice Cream Castle album, Apollonia 6, The Family, um, and some other stuff for other groups and uh, stuff for the Bangles. Uh, stuff for Stevie Nicks, stuff for um, Sheena Easton, uh, Sugar Walls, about recordings of that. So it goes through a lot of this. I think that's most of what's in there. Um, but it also includes the last half of the 1999 tour. It goes through all the details about the time breaking up. Uh, it talks about the, the first half of the Purple Rain tour, uh, the release of the movie. Um, and this is all within two years. This is crazy amounts of things that I did in two years. Yeah, I, w- I was going to say, there, there's a lot there. There's a lot that's covered. And, and right. Yeah, people's minds are going to be blown at, at just how how productive he really was within a two-year span. It's just incredible. Well, and people, the, the thing that really kind of blows my mind is when you think about 1984. 1984 came out with the release of of Purple Rain, the album and the movie, and then the beginning of the tour. So it's all those things planning for that. But also in that year, he recorded the last few songs from Purple Rain, which were Take Me With You and, and Wind Doves Cry. Um, he recorded almost all of the Apollonia 6 album. I think Sex Shooter's already recorded. Um, mo- almost all of the Time Ice Cream Castle album. Um, uh, the entire Sheila album. Uh, the entire family album, and this is all within six, seven, eight months. All of these, right? Things. That's crazy. People record like Michael Jackson would record and have one album every five years, three or four, five years, right? You know, and it would have ten, twelve songs on it. This is a glut of stuff, and we all benefit. And not only that, and then there's uh, you know, there's there's other stuff like I said, stuff that didn't come out for years. Um, we can fund right. uh, things like that that come out in Graffiti Bridge, you know. So and some stuff that, again that never came out, um, right. Modern Air and things like that. That that you know, it just blows your mind, blows my mind at least, how prolific this guy was and how you got to remember yes. anybody that's going to be doing that stuff had to rely on people around him to give him inspiration, you know. Um, Right, right. Got to feed that, and and so the people he'd love, the people he'd like, the people he'd be friends with, the people he would work with, would would inspire him. She's always in my hair. Was inspired by Jill Jones, and you know right. each one of these things has 
something, or maybe it's just a magazine article they saw, or a movie he saw, or you know, a magazine article he read that that inspired G Spot, you know, things like that. And you're going, oh. Right, right. That's one of the that's one of the best little stories in the book. I think. <laughs> now, there are a few little stories that really uh, that really made me laugh and really made me smile and were really uplifting. Like the one I mentioned in my book review was the recording session with David Z where Prince said the take wasn't working because David's shirt was too loud. <laughs> you know, little things like that, you know, just really lighthearted and really fun to read. I love that stuff. But, to me, yeah. you, you hear that stuff, it does personalize him and it does remind you that this is a real guy. Uh, years ago, I went to Graceland um, and so got to walk around in Graceland and see where Elvis lived and stuff. And it strikes you that, oh, wait, this is a real person. It's not just this character. Prince right. To a lot of people, it was this purple character, you know, and he'd, he'd, you know, do his goofy things or whatever that people saw, and they were like, oh, why is he changing his name? Why is he doing this? Well, this is a guy that actually had ideas and had loves and had wants and had failures and had successes and and you know right. broken, right. broken hearts and and you don't quite get that when you're just looking at somebody as an icon and to hear from the people that loved him that cared for him that took care of him that that inspired him that that benefited also at the same time from being around him in a way that that their careers you know, you're always better when you work for somebody like that. You work for David Bowie, you're going to end up being a better musician or a better, you know, person uh, when it comes to this stuff. We work around Prince. It brings you up because you see how hard this guy works and you're inspired to work like that. And I, I, the, the stories over and over and over from people saying, I worked hard because he worked hard. And you go, oh, oh. And he worked harder than anybody because it all came through him. Right, right, and one of the one of the things that one of the things I really appreciate about the book too, and find really interesting and endearing is that since you've been working on it so long, you were able to interview some people who have since passed on, and I was I was touched by being able to see, you know, Claire Fisher's words and David Coleman's words. Yes. I interviewed Claire a couple times uh, several years ago, and Claire was fantastic. He the, the insights and the stories he told me, and there are actually going to be more. I only have a little bit of Claire Fisher stuff in this book. Claire's more bigger interviews and things like that are going to be in the second book, which I'll talk about in a second. But so I interviewed his son Brent, and and he was also helpful because he worked on some of this stuff too, um, and that was great. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think what the um, what it was oh, oh uh, David Coleman David Coleman was I, I, I've never seen him interviewed anywhere and let me tell you that guy was amazing and people don't quite understand how much David had to do with the sound of Prince uh, when right. going, going into a certain area and I think that that's something that people did not get that he really influenced around the world today Right and, and and I had uh, when I interviewed Lisa, uh, Lisa talked about David's work a lot and explained that you know and there's some very funny stories in there about you know David and Prince riding around in a cart yelling things and just but you realize how 
influential Prince was, uh, the people around Prince were when it came to guiding him in a direction. I think Sheila guided him in a direction that he didn't expect to go. Eric Leeds guided him in a direction that he didn't expect to go. And Prince was smart enough to accept these things and then do them, you know, add his purple funk to it and create something new. When when you talk about Prince's music, he doesn't really have a genre. And yeah, he's funk, but he's also rock and he's also soul and rhythm and blues and you know, all this other stuff and you go, Oh, he's got his own genre. When you talk about what kind of people say, What kind of music do you like? Well I like rock, I like funk, I like well, I like Prince as if Prince is an entire you know, line of music and he is. It, it, right, right. He's his own genre, definitely. Yeah, it really is. And and you realize and we as fans go along with it and, and there's albums that I'm not as fond of and there's albums that I think are the best albums I've ever heard. But the cool thing is what the album I may not like as much, you may love. And so he's right. this wide spectrum of, of music to appreciate and we can pick and choose what we like and what we want. Most of us like most of it. But there's gonna be always like said, sometimes he'll be singing about something going, Eh, that doesn't touch me, it doesn't sing to my heart. But there's yeah. other times I explain this to people where, and maybe you've noticed this too, I may be in a bad mood and I'll put in a song and I'll find that there's a Prince song that, that matches that mood, whatever it is. If I'm in a right. maybe uh, Let's Go Crazy will come on. If I'm in a sad mood, I may get you know the latter or introspective. And, and, but there's a song that is for every mood I get when it comes to this, as if he's sitting there in the dark with me kind of telling me, you know, here's a song that might help you. And right, right. There's a personal thing to it. When you put your headphones on and you hear him, there's just some connection that we get. And when you, I don't know how many have you seen you saw him in concert? Yeah, I, I, I was lucky enough to see him seven times. So not, not, not quite as often as you saw him, but I saw him seven times, which is kind of a serendipitous number. But uh, no, it's true. yeah. Where do you live? Whereabouts do you live? Uh. Well, I I first saw him, I lived out in Montana, so out in the Pacific Northwest, so I was able to go to Seattle and see him at the Paramount Theater for the One Night Alone tour, and, and it was my first concert by any artist, so, uh, and it's still, it's still, still to this day, I think I've only seen one other artist in concert besides Prince. And, uh, but obviously I hope to see more. Sure. Uh, it's a, it's a question of mobility for me since I'm disabled in a wheelchair. It's hard to, sure. it's hard to, uh, commute to concerts and stuff like that very often. Yeah. Yeah. But I yeah, I, and, and I saw him quite a few, quite a few of those seven times were probably, probably four or five out of the seven were at Paisley Park. Uh, so I was able to see him literally in his element, and there's, I never there's really, really nothing like that, you know. You you have me beat them because I I never got to do that. I saw him. I was up against the stage on several things down here in Los Angeles because when I'm here, he'd play here a lot. So I got to see him when he'd play on Jimmy Kimmel or The Tonight Show. So I would go to those, and that was always great. I saw him play Everlast right. on The Tonight Show and stuff like that. Um, I did go to when he said the Glam Slam Club out here, and I went to there several times. And we'd be there, you know, at two or three in the morning, waiting for him to show up. And sometimes he'd play, right. 
but we'd be standing against the stage for four or five hours waiting, not being able to go to the bathroom, not being able to do anything. Because if you move, you lost your spot. Um, right. The same thing when I went to see him in Vegas at the 3121 Club, uh, we would be up against the stage. And again, you move, you lost your spot. So you just stand yeah. there and suck it up. But, man, when you see him against the stage and you're like three or four feet away from him, it's mind-blowing, mind-blowing watching this guy play. And and yeah. you can tell – I think the thing I love about Prince is he – loved what he did. He didn't work music where sometimes you see people, they look like they're really focused. He just kind of, his body became an extension and his guitar became an extension of his body and he just, there was a flow to him the way he'd move and he'd dance and even if he's shaking his butt or whatever it is, there was just it made so much sense as if this was what he was supposed to do and and I think that that's missing when I see anybody else and I and I love the revolution. I love the revolution and seeing them, I can tell that you see what Prince brought to it, and they know it. If you get a chance to see the Revolution, go. If you get a chance to see the MPG, go. These are people who know his music better than anybody. Go to see yep. it. But you do realize that any tribute you see to Prince makes you kind of miss Prince that much more. And you, right. and, and also, it makes me um, respect the people up there more because... Prince did not just play with anybody, and he would, but not he didn't repeatedly play with anybody. You you couldn't keep up; you're gone. And exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know the people that are touring now, the MPG, the Revolution, and stuff like this. They played with Prince. Prince respected them. Prince wanted their input into his music, and you know how can you how can you deny that? That's just these people are people that that knew him better than anybody. So I want to give them as much props as possible. And so, again, that's why I went back to these people. Um, you would ask me earlier, I'm sorry to go back, you would ask me about the second book. Um, and I'll right. Tell you a little bit about that. Um, Claire Fisher's comments are going to be more in there. Brent, uh, his son, uh, like I said, I interviewed him um, and some of this stuff. But the second book, if I can do it, is basically 1985, 1986, which is the recording of under the Cherry Moon, both the movie and the the, the, the album, uh, most of the music for Sign of the Times, Dream Factory, and Crystal Ball, uh, the Madhouse album. Um, I'm trying to think what else is in there. Uh, uh, the Flesh. Uh, right, right. All this stuff is recorded during that time, and it ends basically with him. Uh, you know, after the revolution is broken up, it, it goes through the entire run of the revolution. So these two books are basically the story of the revolution and Prince. Um, other books will be about the NPG and about, you know, whatever it is. But right in this period is literally about this, because you, you read the, the beginning of the book is the birth of the revolution. It's being 83. Right. And, right. Especially when, in August of 83, once Wendy, once Wendy made her debut and kind of cemented herself sure. within the band, and that's that's an epic gig, and I, I love the whole section of the book on that. But I'm a little biased when it comes to that because <laughs> the Revolution is my favorite band in Prince history. So, uh, yeah. If you've gotten a chance to see the Revolution live, if you haven't, if you yes, or anywhere if you have seen them, I have actually. Yes, I was. Okay. I was. Uh, I went to Bobby Z's first annual. American Heart Association benefit. Oh, good, in, good, good, good. In, in, in 2009, 
so I got to see them uh, at First Avenue, and I don't know I don't know if you've had a chance to look through any of my profile photos on, on Facebook, Dwayne, but I have a I have a picture of me with uh, Wendy and Lisa on either side of me, so that was definitely definitely a moment, you know, a highlight moment in my life was meeting them and and you know talking with them briefly and. It was it was everything I ever imagined it could be meeting them and they're just so awesome and it was just so much fun and I met uh, the only one I haven't personally met thus far is Burrow Mark okay. but uh, I, I plan to rectify that sometime. Right, Mark is very nice. Mark's a really good guy. Um, I interviewed him for the book. Uh, again, I, I pretty much with, with the, uh, I see the picture now. I see you. Oh, great! That's a great picture. I'm looking at it right now. That's great. Um, right. Uh, the only person I didn't interview for the book of the Revolution was Bobby Z. Um, and at the time, Bobby was uh, it had just uh, some things. Had, um, I think there was a, a bad TV show that had just been aired, and I think he was just a little cautious. And I understood, and I, I completely understood. And right. So it's you know. Um, but I, he had interviewed other places, so I used quotes from him. And I, when I couldn't get an interview from somebody, I went to – I found – you know, I did a lot of research where there's people I couldn't talk to, maybe passed away or whatever, and I would use outside quotes. I, I mean, I interviewed Susan Rogers a dozen times, but I would still find her saying something in another interview somewhere, and I thought, well, that's a great quote. I will use that. Right, right. At the end of the book, I cite everything I use because I want to make sure that if I got something from an article – that the people who wrote the article get credit for that because too many times I see books that don't quite do that and I'm, I'm I I I don't I don't fault somebody for that because it's a lot of work but I I think if if I I've seen people that don't do a lot of research and I think I don't you know I want to make sure that I represented um, that I I represented the people that you know that did this interview and stuff and that because to me if they did work and I'm writing about their work, I want to be able to tell them, tell people, well, I got this quote from Prince from Rolling Stone magazine or whatever else. I think because that's... Right, and I appreciate, I, I very much appreciate the uh, the thoroughness of the research and the, the accuracy of, of citing everything, and I was going to say, too, um, now I, I lost my train of thought, but I'll, I'll come back to it, I'm sure. But, yeah, I definitely... I definitely appreciate the uh, the thoroughness of, of of the book, and you guys, you'll see when you read it. I mean, this book is thorough. I mean, it was it's literally twenty plus year labor of love, and you can really you can really tell that because the way the book is constructed. I mean, it's tremendously detailed, tremendously thorough. And, oh, I remember what I was going to say. I really appreciate the fact that whenever there were places where the work order, the details of the work order were ambiguous or there were alternate dates for things where a recording could have happened on such and such day, uh, you were very, very uh, ready and willing to point that out in the book. And i I got to say I really appreciate I really appreciate you being that that thorough and that that honest about 
about things because it really adds to the 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 value not only the value but the integrity of the work that you did. So I really really appreciate that. Well, thank you. I, I one of the things I because I, I wasn't there, so I can't say all the details. There's going to be times that there's contradicting error, uh, information. I mean, sometimes people's memories uh, weren't the same as somebody else's. And I know Prince would sometimes toy with people and tell two different people different things. But with the work orders, sometimes he wouldn't even write the, the name of the song on there or he wouldn't write, um, you know, whatever it was. And, and so you're sitting there going, oh, what was this? Or he might put a bit of lyric in there. Like sometimes some of the lyrics from one song ended up in another song. I think I tried to mention that when he put something from Weak and Funk in from that was from uh, um, Sex Shooter or something like that, or, 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 or you know, uh, I forget what songs it is right now, but he'd put different lines that were in different things, and I didn't know where some of these things were done. It could have been on this date or on another date, because he would sometimes go back and, and touch something up, so I wasn't sure, and I wanted to make sure that I kind of covered that just in case, because I didn't want to be definitive on the things I'm not definitive about. If there's times that I'm not sure... I don't want to have it come out a year or two later. No, it was recorded on that date. You're totally wrong. Because then you look at the whole book and you think, oh, well, what else is wrong? And so thank you for noticing that. That's, um, that was something I, I, I toyed with and really was like going, how do I, how do I cover that? Because there's sometimes you don't know and there was times that he didn't keep as accurate of records as you wanted. So what I did was not just the work orders. I went back to Warner Brothers and uh, talked to them about their vault and they gave me all the information about when songs were checked in. Okay, so I did that. Then I went to the Library of Congress, checked in when they did that, when things were, were submitted to the Library of Congress. Then I checked in with the unions for the musicians' union here in town. And the musicians' union would often talk about, well, let's see, we've had people that played strings come in on this date. So then I had that. Then I would check with the engineers, and sometimes they'd have personal journals. Okay, well, I'd compare that to somebody's journal about what happened then. Then I would add... Um, you know, sometimes there would be magazine articles where they would talk about, oh, when I was recording this, and you know the magazine article was written at a certain time, or you'd figure out when the magazine article was written, so you could kind of base it a little bit more. There was so much checks and balances getting this information correct. And again, I know that there's going to be some errors in it. I, I You know, you, you can't have a 500-page book without having a, an occasional mistake. Um, right. Hoping that right. the entire book is seen, the book is seen as an entirety, as opposed to the one or two errors that I know probably are going to be found. Um, right. Right. I mean, I'm hoping that I didn't forget a song. You know, you're going through it, going, oh, because he did things at home that I don't want to have the work orders for. Okay. Well, right. A little trickier. Right. You know, and this is the guy that could record in his ba- in, in his, his house. Well, nobody's there writing down exactly the days he did. But looking back, I, I compared that to when he was traveling, tour logs, plane records. When people would be fly, I'd have times sometimes when he'd be flying. So all these things to kind of bring as much accuracy as possible. So wow, yeah. And I was going to ask too about about fu- potential future volumes. Um, I'm just thinking about. The, the era, you know, post-87 or 87 onward, you know, when he's recording at Paisley Park. Right. You know, it, it's it's impossible to get, you know, studio work orders if there even were any that, that were made at Paisley Park. So how do you plan on, 
how do you plan on researching songs for for future volumes, or is it just going to be is it just going to be mainly the 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 pre Paisley Park years, um, well, or are you planning on going beyond that somehow? Here's what I hope, Chris, and this is you know we all have our big dreams and stuff. I would love to work in tandem with uh, uh, the people at the estate at Paisley Park on future volumes. Right. I think the book is done in a respectful way. Um, well, you can tell me. Do you think the book was respectful to Prince? And, and, and Yes, it was very, very, very respectful. Okay. And I'm uh, hoping that, that people feel the same way, and I'm, I'm hoping that the, that the estate sees that not only is this done with respect and with love from a person that's a fan, um, but somebody who's trying to make it as accurate as possible, and somebody who is realizing that the fan base, at least from what I understand, wants this kind of thing. There's a uh, right. people who like this stuff are hungry for information about him, and right now we ha- don't have him anymore, and so we we're we're grasping at at, at pieces of dust and and things we want to kind of just cling to him and not let go. And I think things like this extend his legacy because kids don't understand Prince, and I think books like this and books like Steve's and Ashim's and 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 Alex Hahn and people like that, uh, Jason Draper, people that are out there working on. Books trying to get things out there. I, I I think that that does extend its legacy. And what I'm hoping is that Paisley Park sees what I've done with this book and maybe the second book, and realizes you know what we could do something with him that extends the the reach. Because I would like to do uh, 87, 88, 89 in a book. Um, I'd like to do the 90s. I'd like to do his post nine post Warner Brothers time. Um, it's a matter of, of access. I have enough stuff to do up until Love Sexy, and I have some work orders from Paisley Park from some of the engineers and dates and things like that, but it's going to start to get to a point where I don't have that. But here's the thing. I'm pretty tenacious, and I think, I think this book will open doors for people now they, they can see and go, you know what? I've read the book now. I trust where he's going with this as opposed to somebody just saying, yeah, I'm doing this, and they don't know. And I think they, they will now have a calling card to read it and say whether they like what I've done or not, and they can make a judgment on that. And if that's the case, hopefully um, they'll want to cooperate and, and help out with his legacy for um, the next generations because I'm hoping that these are the kind of books that people look at and go, this is what happened as much as possible. And, and I'm hoping that it's embellished with – other people writing books. I hope most of the Revolution writes books. I hope uh, members of the MVG write books. I hope other engineers write books. I, I, I'm hoping that singers and because every one of these people has got a great story to tell, and all from their own perspective. And I'm, I'm hoping that we can all kind of work together to explain why he was vital and why he was important and why he needs to be recognized as that for future generations because people are going to forget and people are going to move on to the next thing and, and I, I, I'm I not ready to let him go and I I'm, I don't know if I'll ever be ready to let him go because he's, to me, right, right. It's, it's the voice of my generation to me. He yep. brought us together. He, You could see style through him. You could see um, this is a guy that, here's the other thing that I think people forget is you most Big artists have somebody that's decorating them or, you know, helping guide them or produce them or write for them. 
Prince did all that. He did his clothing, did his own studio, did his own engineering at times, did his own played pretty much every instrument. He didn't necessarily need anybody else and, and the people he around him were there to embellish his vision and add to it. As opposed right. to somebody coming by and saying, Well, here's what I want you to do, here's the next trend. I don't think for the most part he did that, um, except for, you know, maybe some of the raps and stuff like that, but other than that he was guiding that, and, and for years, it was fun to see where the trend would go, and he was, I think, in, in front of it. And I don't, I think people forget how, during his biggest time, his, and again, you were a little young to remember this, but literally, his albums coming out was a uh, an event. It was something. That oh was, yeah. It was. Yeah. You were like you were like. I can't wait, and it got a lot of press, and it was just, it was something beyond what you have for a normal rock star. And Oh, yeah, was, definitely. Yeah. And you never knew where he's going to go either, because he may go, oh, all of a sudden you're going, oh, Rainbow Children, that's kind of jazzy. Okay, that's different. Oh, he's doing an instrumental album called News. Oh, okay, got it. And, and you never... Well, exactly. It's almost, as if, it's almost as if each album is in its own little world. Yep, and it's where he was at that moment. Each album is yep. a postcard of where he was at that moment, and he then would move on, and he'd leave it for us to figure out, and he would put little riddles and things along the way and see if you figured them out. But that was right. a snapshot of that of that time period. He's like, nope, and, and when he would be done with something, he wanted to either get it out, and if he couldn't get it out in time, he often would just put it in the vault and say, okay, I'm moving on to the next thing. That's something else more important. And then you got to think. What is in this guy's vault? You know, I know, I know that it, that just blows my mind. I mean, I can't even begin. I can't even begin to think about it. But yeah, it's yeah. tremendous. And and we know as hardcore fans, we know about unreleased movies that he he did. He did a documentary called The Second Coming in 1981, I think it was. Right, it was a controversy. Uh, on the controversy tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did. There, I know. I know. He, did, he did a film for thirty one twenty one and added content from that album and Lotus Flower. Uh, that remains unreleased. So I think I think different... we're hungry. We're hungry as fans for this sort of thing. And I exactly I when I was writing the book, I wrote the book not knowing if people would enjoy it. I wrote it for myself because I'm a fan. And I wrote it thinking, this is the kind of book I want to read. And I, that was my guiding, that was my, that was my beacon going, I will write the book that I want to read. And if somebody else could write it, I would be happy because then I could read it and it'd be done. It wouldn't take 20 years <laughs> of my life. Uh, you know, that would be great. But it, it ends up being, you know, a book that I'm like, okay, well, this is something I've got to do. And so along the way, I had several people that were also big fans and they were, so instrumental in in helping me um, helping me get to this point and understanding um, all the things that uh, I needed to understand. You know um, that okay. Let me explain. Uh, they, they, they would kind of fact check me. Uh, my friends Thomas, Yost, Cam, Scott. These guys and they're credited in the back of the book because these guys are guys that when it came to keeping me in check keeping the book in line, 
and I would write something and they'd say, no, that's not true, or they'd kind of guide me back and say, oh, that's interesting. They would then go back and check the music, the live stuff, or the, the, the charts, or something like that. And these guys are so good at what they did, and they, and they would make sure that as much as possible, again, we'll probably have some mistakes in there, but for the most part, these guys would keep me going in the right direction. And I owe these guys so much when it comes to um, getting the purpose of this book. And then there's people like Alan Leeds, who when I finally got in touch with Alan, he provided a bunch of great information. And he said, you want to talk to my brother Eric? Yes, I do. That kind of stuff. And then just it grew and grew. And what I also ended up doing was um, uh, Alan Freed, his person I worked with at Uptown, and he... And Pierre Nielsen gave me access to all the interviews we did for the vault and for Pierre Dance Music Sex Romance film. And so all the interviews that Alan and I did for Uptown, uh, Pierre uh, Nielsen had sent me a, a box of, like, I would say 100 some odd tapes of all the interviews we did back then. Wow. Then I reached out to all yeah. the people interviewed because there are people that I did an interview that Alan did, like uh, Jelly Bean Johnson and uh, people like that. That I, I, So I contacted them and explained this is what the book is, and they all said, yep, I would love to be part of this. And so I had access to things I nobody would have access to in a way that um, that was just – that filled in a lot of gaps and areas that I would never have known. And so I am I am incredibly indebted to people like Alan Freed and Per Nelson as well for the things they brought to it. Um, I, I, there's so many – again, I, I don't even know how to explain this. There's so many people who – who uh, were able to um, uh, just open doors for me. Uh, I, another great one was uh, Al Magnoli. Um, right, right. I loved his quotes in the book, too. I mean, <laughs> they were just great. And like I say, most of, the, most of the stuff the fans know on the surface, but what you read in the book really go, goes into detail and really fleshes out some of these things that, we maybe only heard about in passing or, you know, just as, you know, one-sentence statements from other fans or something. In, in the book, you get you get it straight from a first-hand source. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's you. a great thing. And Al, uh, he was great. Uh, a friend named Steve Wask uh, was helpful when it came to um, uh, supplying some, um, some things I would never have heard before. Just there are people, and, and again, interviewing uh, Dr. Fink and interviewing Wendy and Lisa and Brown Mark and people like that. And, and if I had a question, um, I never interviewed Paul Peterson, but, but Paul was open to me asking an occasional question to him. And so, uh, and he'd done other interviews with other people, so I was able to use quotes from him. But I was able to either fact check through him or uh, um, get an occasional quote through him. Um, Jesse Johnson, I interviewed him years ago, and he's now gotten to the point where he doesn't feel like doing interviews because he's, he's just, I think, Prince passed. It was very personal for him. But he was kind enough to say that I could use a couple of his quotes from the interviews that I did with him, uh, interview that I did with him. Um, and so things like that, that, that there are people that don't really talk about this stuff as much, people that I've, I'd never seen interviewed before that I was able to find and talk to who had – Wonderful stories, just stories that just really shine a lot of light on what it was like to be around Prince during a time when he was going from cult star to the biggest star on the planet. And I think that that's 
that's the thing that excites me is is knowing the um the amount of of good people he had around him and what they did yeah so that's the thing and i think the other thing is once prince passed i reached out to a bunch of these people and i can tell you honestly across the board all of them loved prince and they they were protective of him and and wanted to make sure his legacy was was honored and i think that that's an important part because they trusted me to do that and these people were would i i i talked to people when they're crying i've talked to people when they are sad um about his passing and and they all across the board miss him miss his work ethic and they all love not only him but each other not each other specifically but there's a bond uh of once you've gone through there you've gone through uh you know war basically at times and and these people are connected in a way they didn't expect and they're it's just it's it's a big family and again in any family there's going to be people that don't get along but it's a you know there's always going to be people that don't get along in a family we all know that but there's it's right. a big family of people that want to honor prince and even if it's from their own perspective they want to honor what he did and they're not tolerant of people who come in and uh make things up and uh things like that so i think that that's it's kind of a um, I'm honored, I'm humbled, and I'm excited about people finally getting a copy of this when it comes out. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm excited too because I've, I haven't been this excited about a book in a long time. You know, as soon as I, as, as soon as I got that confirmation from NetGalley, I was like, whoa, I can't believe this. I'm going to be able to review this book. And it was so exciting and, and so much fun to read. And, and I wish you the best of luck. And, I hope I hope once the book comes out, uh, you know I hope you're somehow led to to Minneapolis, and uh, if you are, I'll, I'll come out and, and meet you and say hello and I, maybe get my maybe get my book signed. I would love. Uh, to. I will be doing. Um, I will be doing book signings in Minneapolis. I will. I don't know when. Um, I was just up in Minneapolis three weeks ago. Uh, three or four weeks ago. Okay. I did. There was a PRN Alumni Foundation event where we interviewed um, a bunch of people on stage, and I was one of the moderators of that. And uh, um, at right, and you've been a big supporter of them in your Facebook group. So people know there is the um, my Facebook uh, group. Thank you for the plug. I forgot. Um, my Facebook group is called the Prince the Complete Studio. It's called Prince the Complete Studio Sessions uh, Book Series. I think it is. And look that up. Yeah. I also have a fan. I just started a fan page, literally like a day or two ago. Um, by that goes by the same name. So look both of those up. Um, you know, the fan page will have exclusive content on it. Both things. Uh, are, the fan page I want to keep. You know, I want to keep both of them. I like the fact that there's a group because I feel like it's we've created kind of a family there. Everybody talks and posts their things and and talks and meets. Right. It's for it's for extended discussion. Exactly, and it's not just about the book. As you see, people write when there's a podcast. It's great and things like that. And it's it's. Yes. When I was up in Minneapolis recently, several people from the group introduced themselves to me, and I actually knew who they were, and that was kind of fun um, because I, I recognized their names and, and things like that. And uh, like today, I, I, I 
I went to a thing, uh, and Tasha Seville was, was at this event, and that was fun seeing her, and she was at the event back at the Capri. And so there's a community that grows from these people, and the, the family right. is, is going to be just really for a lot of information about the book and things like that, because there's going to be some, like this podcast, I'll be talking about this when it comes out, and um, I'll be doing other podcasts or other interviews, and when there's reviews, as you saw, people put your reviews, uh, your reviews have been posted everywhere, and I, I thank you. It was, you know, <laughs> well, you're very welcome. No, you're, you're very welcome. I was happy to do it. Very accommodating, and, and uh, um, so I, I will continue to post the stuff, and I will update people on book signings when I, I will be up in Minneapolis, probably after the first year sometime. But I, I know I'll probably be back there, back up there in April for the um, for the uh, um, celebration. Um, okay. I'm going. To, uh, you know, we'll see if there's uh, times before that. If I do, I'll, I'll make sure people know it because um, I, I want to get up there and I like being up there. And, and what we're talking about is once I do some book signings. Uh, by coincidence, uh, Steve Park and Afshim and I have all talked about possibly doing book signings together. Maybe even making it so that uh, the three of us get together uh, and do a book signing. That way, all three of us are talking about our books, and you can kind of get them all signed at one time. And that would be that would be tremendous. Yeah, I think that'd be great because that way, you know, you've got three authors up there, and and you know, because then you don't have to go to three different events. You can just go to one. And yeah, exactly. Hear all of us kind of, you know, knocking things around, talking about our books, and having somebody ask us questions and answering questions from the audience. I, that that kind of thing is a lot of fun. So we're we're actually all three of us are talking about that. So yeah. that would be wonderful. Well, I I will I will let everybody know when I'm up in Minneapolis next time. I will be doing probably a book signing here in Los Angeles. Um, maybe in December when the book comes, you know, after the book comes out, because uh, I want to make sure it's out before I schedule that. Um, I hope to do some on the East Coast. Uh, nothing scheduled yet, but uh, I'm thinking about that. I've also talked about possibly doing um, book signings where people can purchase a book and I can send it to them signed uh, if there's not going to be an area. Right. That, that, uh, um, so we're trying to figure out all the details because I, I didn't realize people would want sign books as much. I wasn't thinking about it. And, and people are coming out and saying they really would like a book signed. And that's, you know, very flattering. So I'm, I'm, I want to make sure I, I make sure we take care of that. So, yeah, it's exciting. Sounds, re- sounds really good. Yeah. Another thing that I find remarkable about the book is that you got, you actually got the one and only Questlove to write the forward. How did that come about? Questlove is a friend of some of the guys that um, helped me do the research. Um, uh, again, uh, Thomas, uh, Cam, uh, Yost, and Scott. I think some of them knew who Questlove was or knew him personally, and they've been talking to him for a while. And they got a copy of the first, you know, first couple pages to him years, a couple years ago. And he saw it. and He was like, "Oh my God!" He he just kind of is, said his mind was blown. And and uh, I, I'm not going to say, I don't know if there's a family podcast, I'm not going to say what he said, but <laughs> he, was, he was really enthusiastic, let's just say. And uh, he said, oh my God, I, I want to be involved in this in some form. Uh, he'd never met me. And, and uh, actually, a funny story behind that, I'll tell you in a second, but um, he was just so excited. And he was like, this is, this. he's, he's first off, Quest is a major Prince fan, major Michael Jackson fan, major fan of all this stuff. And he's few people know music like Questlove does because he knows it from both sides. He knows it from creating it. He knows it from enjoying it. And so, so to have a scholar, and I do think of him as a scholar, to 
want to be attached to it writing the uh, the foreword for it blows me away again humbling and mind blowing that that this guy Questlove first off would even know who I am that's just you know it's like what that's crazy talk uh and then to find out that he wanted to be involved in some form is is just it's incredible because he I think his credentials in that field are unrivaled and to have somebody like that saying I would like to um I'd like to I I having his name on the cover adds so much more credibility to what I'm doing because he wouldn't do something he'd read the whole book and he's like I I'm, I can't put it down and uh to have him saying this kind of stuff and when he he uh, tweeted that um what did he say um this is the book we've all been waiting for that right. he you know he tweets that to a couple million people well that's that's crazy this doesn't happen to me and so it's um i, I can't I can't even begin. I don't know where I'd even begin to thank him for what he's done and what he said, and the enthusiasm he's given me when it comes to um, this sort of project. Because he really is—he opened doors. Um, he, when people hear, "Oh, Questlove's involved," they all of a sudden they go, "Oh, the Roots," and you know they get excited. "Oh, Tonight Show," and they know who he is. And and I didn't realize um, how much people love him. And I went to see. I he'd worked on this thing with me for a while. And um, I'd give him updates, and we'd kind of, you know, go back and forth and stuff. And uh, I didn't meet him until a few weeks ago. By, you know, um, he was playing out here in Los Angeles, and uh, playing, he was DJing out here in Los Angeles at an event, a Michael Jackson event, actually. And I went there and uh, got to hang out with him for a little bit afterwards, and, and just talk for a little bit. And it was great because we probably could have talked for hours, just swapping stories. Um, but he'd been standing. You know, just DJing for six or seven hours straight, and he was kind of tired. But oh yeah. wow, yeah, he, he's first off. Let me tell you, if you get a chance to ever go listen to him spin records, I, I never thought I'd, I'd compliment a guy who's playing records for me. And yet, <laughs> you know, he, yeah, he finds ways to bring things out that you're going, oh, that's good, that's so good. And I like Michael Jackson. I didn't realize how much I liked Michael Jackson until he was doing that. And I can imagine an event where he's playing Prince music would be even better. Um, but he was involved in this. Having him on the cover is amazing. Having him attached, I, I, just, I, I can't, I can't even begin to repay this guy for what he did. I'm hoping that you know I, I find a way to, to praise him, you know, to the ends of the earth because this guy Questlove is. Just you know, I, I consider him um, somebody that I never thought I'd get as a uh, forward guy who wrote the forward, and and just I, I never would have thought my my name would be on the cover of a book with Questlove's book name. That's that's the crazy thing. So it's it's uh, yeah right, and and uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the book on the on the Tonight Show in some form because Phenomenal. since he's attached to it. That would be oh. phenomenal. He's also got a great radio show on on uh, um, uh, is it Spotify. I think he's on Spotify. Maybe it's not Spotify. What is it on? He's on something. I can't remember what it is. But he's he's got a um, he's got a he's got a show on on uh, that um, he does. I would like to you know I would love to have him talking about it on that. You know he just the the things he has, the people he's interviewed, um, just 
you know, I don't even have uh, Pandora. Um, a show called Quest Love Supreme. Yep. He's had all kinds of people. He had basically the revolution on there. He's had Alan Leeds. He's had a lot of different people on there. He's got some people coming up that he mentioned to me that I'm going, oh, my God, if you get them on the first show, it would be phenomenal. So I'm hoping that, that uh, he mentions it on there because those kind of things, people listen to him. He's somebody that right. they respect and they, they listen to. And, and I think that that's going to be, when you have somebody like that um, involved, you know, that's just beyond, you know, I'm I'm in cloud nine because this guy is is just that that good. Right. Well, this is great, Chris. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time and and thank you for sharing stories about the the book and the the writing process and all of that. It's and the research. I mean, you guys, I cannot emphasize this enough. The book is is very meticulously detailed and it's just blows my mind when I think about the level of detail in this book. And, uh, you know, somebody was asking me when I was writing my review, I was sharing it with uh, one of my friends, Seth Everett. I don't know if you're familiar with Seth at all, Dwayne, but he's a, okay, yes. he's a Prince fan as well and has done, done different things, podcasts and, and video casts oh, great. in the past. And, uh, I was I was bouncing my review off of him and and he said, Well what makes this book different than any other book about Purple Rain? You know, there's Alan White's book on Purple Rain. Sure. Everybody does everybody does Purple Rain and I was like, Man, but you don't you don't understand, you don't get it. This book is so detailed. There's so much detail and so many stories and and you know, it's it's so different and so much so much more thorough than than anything that that's ever come before, I think. And I think this will go on my shelf next to my copies of DMSR, and I don't have a physical copy of the vault as right. much as I'd like one, but I'm not willing to spend you know five hundred dollars on it. But uh, but yeah, this will go next to my copy of DMSR, and I've actually been. Since reading this book, I've been researching other past books that Dwayne actually used as some of his sources, uh, such as Dave Hill's book. I was able to get a copy of Friends, A Pop Life. I was able to get a cheap, uh, well, I don't want to say cheap because that's a, that's a, that's a bad word, but I was able to get a good. It didn't break the bank. Yeah, exactly. I was able to get a good buy on on the uh the book. But and I've been I've also been uh looking into checking out a copy of Possessed by Alex Hahn from my local library. I can so this Alex, Alex is a Alex is a, that book I really like that book. And there's some people that weren't happy with it because it, it was not always favorable. But Alex did a lot of research for that and interviewed a lot of people for that. And I helped out with that book. It's funny. I helped out with that book. I helped out with DMSR. Um, my name's at the beginning of that. And I helped out with The Vault. So several of the books that you mentioned, I I know about <laughs> intimately. Wow. I, and so I know what wow. these people – and I can tell you, when I was doing this book, Alex Hahn and I were talking almost daily because he was doing his updated um, – the most recent book, The Rise of Prince. And he and I literally almost daily would be bouncing ideas off of each other. And, and so I can't say enough good things. He's a good guy. 
and and he, he's a hard worker, and he really did. A, his, his newest book is, is definitely worth reading. Um, uh, Alan Light's book is great. Alan Light and I were talking when his book was about to come out because we were again balancing talking, you know, release dates and stuff. And his, I really like Alan Light's book a lot. Uh, he did a lot yeah. of and went a lot of first person things. And again, I got quotes from these books. I will be absolutely honest. There is quotes I use from Al, uh, Alan Light's book. There's quotes I use from Alex Hahn's book. There's quotes I use from Dave Hill's book. Uh, I, this is just how it is. I, I think if they got great information. I'm happy to use that in this because, like you said, the, this story's been told over and over and over. And what and that was a a part of me that really was nervous about writing about Purple Rain because Purple Rain has been told. And there's people that came to me and said, "Why are you writing about Purple Rain?" And I had to explain to them: first off, there is information in here that has never been out, and it's not boring information. I think that that people here at studio sessions are going, "Oh, okay," but I think and and you can tell me or not whether I achieved this, as I was hoping to tell a compelling story that happened to have the studio ver- studio sessions as a template for what happened. But the story is told of everything happening, just happens to be through the studio sessions as the vehicle to tell a story. Is that accurate? Is it compelling to you? Right, yeah. I would say that the, uh, the, work, the work orders are the the actual bones or the skeleton, and the the rest of it is the flesh. Very good. So, Very good. so I, that's how I explain it too. It's exactly how I. Explain yeah, it. yeah. It so true. yeah, definitely. So I wish you all this success in the world with the book, Dwayne, and I'll include a link to the uh, Facebook group and also the the Facebook fan page, and I know people can find you there and. Stay abreast of all the news with the book and the announcements of book signings and all that, all that good stuff. So please, please join the fan group because uh, the fan group and the and and both uh, the uh, Facebook group because it, again I'll be listing when we're doing book signings I'll be, and I'll also be putting stories that didn't make the book or stories about books coming up that I think are are kind of fun. Um, I try to make sure if I see an article with an interview, I try to make sure that's out there. Um, I write occasionally articles. I've got an article coming up. There's an issue of Wax Poetics coming up with um, um, the Prince issue. And uh, there, I didn't get an article in the book, but I did get an article in a magazine. But there's my uh, online, uh, my stuff is going to be printed in the online copy. So I've got a story in okay. the recording of uh, the recording of She's Always in My Hair. Um, and so things like that, that I, I try to, I wrote an article for The Current a few months ago, um, try to, I try to keep people updated with what's going on with this book and this book series, because I hope to do multiple books with this. I hope to keep going. Um, there's a lot to say, and, and you can't sum prints up in one book, and so I'm hoping that right. do, I would love to do books like this and documentaries about him and things like this for the rest of my life. I would be... I would be absolutely happy to be and honored to be somebody that people kept coming back to find out more from because this is a passion of mine. And, and I think that there's a, a lot of people out there that enjoy, miss him, and enjoy hearing things that keep his, his legacy and his spirit and his, his, um, his funk alive. Yeah. Very, very cool. And uh, this, I'm not sure yet, but this will probably be the first uh – the first episode of the Purple Nights podcast be available on iTunes because I'm looking into that. Right now I'm just posting on 
mixed crowd, but I know that that uh, kind of limits my audience a little bit, and I I kind of preferred to keep my podcast underground because uh, I received criticism about my voice before online, and it's something that I can't help because of my particular disability, cerebral palsy. It affects all the muscles in the body, including the facial muscles. So it's like I can't I can't really help my voice, but um, I hope people can look past that and uh, enjoy the podcast and enjoy what I do, and also enjoy what the guests what guests I have on, because I think we're talking about really important things and really interesting things that a lot of people need to hear about. So I'll be getting this out there. Um, I'm PK Podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash PK Podcast, uh, on Twitter at PK Podcast, and also soon to be on iTunes, hopefully with this episode. So thank you to Dwayne Tudor. Chris, Chris, can I say one thing before you? Sure. It's your enthusiasm that makes this podcast great. It's your knowledge and enthusiasm and spirit. And I don't care about a voice. It's you and what you bring to this that makes this fun. To me, I had a great time with this. And if somebody has an issue with that, that's their own thing. If they listen and they hear what you're saying, because you obviously not only know your stuff, you like this stuff and you love this stuff, and you're enthusiastic about it. And there's nothing that can that can that sell something better than enthusiasm. And you've got that, sir. And, and so I had a great time. It was an honor to be on this. And I hope people enjoy this. I, I, I can't wait to be talking about this on my Facebook page. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And I appreciate the uh, the compliment and the, the recognition of my passion. And, and that's why I did this in the first place. There, there were podcasts of Michael Deeds. Uh, Prince podcast and also the Peach and Black podcast, uh, the guys from Australia, they did their podcast and inspired me to do my thing. And I talked. There's a lot of great ones out there, but I think honestly, you know your stuff and you're enthusiastic and you're excited and you don't walk through it. I, you read the book. Here's the thing. This is the first podcast I've done with the person's read the entire book. And so Michael Dean had read some of it. Uh, I did one a little bit ago with D'Angelo Duff, and she had read some of it. But she's read all of it now, and we've talked since then. But this is the first one I've done where you've actually had a full copy. And so it's it's really exciting to know that you're speaking from knowledge. Not that they weren't, because they know they know of the book very well. Trust me. They right, right. But, and they read large parts of it. You've read the book from cover to cover now. And and so that to me makes this more fun because not more fun. That to me makes this um, a great experience because of you being able to ask a question about a specific thing or knowing little details that are in the book, and that that's exciting to me. So I love this. I, I I'm going to be talking about this for a while. So thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate your time, and I look forward to the next installments in the series, because I, I know, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, this book this book is going to do well. With the, the, the amount of hype and the amount of, the amount of interest and the amount of praise you've been getting, 
this book is going to do well. So there, there are going to be more. There's no doubt in my mind about it, and I'm very, very excited about it, and very excited to see what comes next. So thank you, Dwayne Dudal. The book is Prince and the Purple Rain Arrow Studio Sessions, 1983 and 1984. It's out November 15th from Roman and Littlefield. And until next time, this is Chris Johnson, and I'll see you next time. I don't know what I'll return.